What's up, guys? Before we get going today, I wanted to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. They're the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has been refined through years of testing and wisdom and has led Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Skybox is the world's best gambling handicapping website. They've already got their picks for the RBC Heritage at Harbortown this week. They're coming off a 30-unit week at the Masters. They hit Justin Rose as the first-round leader at plus 4,500. They were positive in the head-to-heads. These guys crushed it. They're killing it on NASCAR. Just because kind of the March Madness and the football is wound down does not mean Skybox is wound down. They're on baseball over-unders. They have a package for you. Anything you fancy, they will be all over it. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. You can go with the daily pass if you just want to test things out. It's 10 bucks. But I would recommend going with the full season or a full year pass to all sports. You can do a month. You can do a special weekly package for a particular sport. You can do a daily package, monthly. Whatever you want, they've got something in your price range. Go check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com and you use my promo code, you'll get 20% off any purchase. So glad to have the partners at Skybox Sports Pick, or glad to be partners, I should say. It wouldn't be an ad read if I didn't fumble through it. But check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. You don't need me to stumble through another ad read to know LB's is the best place to go. Just listen to this podcast. We did a grill corner with Greg. If you're still going anywhere else, if you, God forbid, if you're walking into Kroger, in Oxford to go get your meat after listening to this show. I got nothing for you. He's absolutely the best place to get meat. Greg got into a great story about the origins of Hoover sauce. We got into the seasoning game, kind of compared it to the craft beer microbrew game, what he has going on at the store in terms of seasoning and stock. It, this podcast is well worth your time if you like grilling, smoking, all of that. Greg knows his stuff. I'm an idiot. I can't cook anything, and I found it absolutely fascinating. I thought it was absolutely great stuff. So go check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. A little different show today. We just did a bunch of grill corner. I was kind of underwhelmed, so I asked for questions last minute. We got a few. It was enough to get us uh, what I thought was enough to get us through. Not going to lie, I was a little, uh, little low energy about it because I was a little disappointed in the, uh, the, the topics and the conversation heading in. But Greg crushed it. I left the podcast being like, this was incredible stuff as greg always does i should never have underestimated every time greg and i mostly him hop on a microphone so i think you're going to enjoy it i have a solo bit off the top just discussing some old miss injury news max Chofi being out for the season and drew mcdaniel starting uh it, sun, on sunday in starkville mike bianco announced both of those things last night after old miss's win so i'll get into that so i'm in a solo bit off the top and then i'll throw it to greg for grill corner and that'll end the podcast so let's go Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Wednesday. I am Brian Scott Rippy. This is another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. No one on the other end of the line yet. Today, we have LB's Greg the Meat Sharp for another edition of Grill Corner. We took your questions. We discussed some different seasonings. Greg had a hell of a story about the origins of Hoover sauce, which apparently is a big mainstream thing. If you're into grilling, I didn't know what it was. I'm sure I've had it before, but had quite the wild story about that, its origins, and how Greg somehow became the only place you could buy it outside of uh, Mr. Hoover's backyard, I guess, whatever you want to call it for a while. Anyway, interesting story there. A lot of grilling stuff. I think it's worth your time. But I had a couple of things I wanted to get to off the top today before we get to the grill corner. A couple of Ole Miss baseball-related notes. 
The Rebels beat Austin P 13 to one last night. If I'm not mistaken, was Austin P not used to be Austin P State? Uh, I don't know when that got dropped off, but these directional schools, I swear, change names uh, every five years, and it makes it incredibly confusing. Uh, next thing you know, University of Louisiana Lafayette, who I think they prefer to be called Louisiana, is going to be asking to be called uh, the LSU Tigers or something like that. Anyway, that's not important. Rebels went 13-1 to last night. There were two main storylines from this game. Kel Baker goes four for four with six RBIs. I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. Good for him. Maybe it's a spark. I would like to see uh, him do that against SEC pitching because the 10 and 20 governors of Austin P. I do not like their chances to uh, get in the tournament and host this year. Just uh, throwing that one out there. But good for him, man. He's had a huge struggle. So it's been a huge struggle so far this year. He's had a hellish year from missing the opening weekend for COVID. Then he breaks his wrist or a bone in his wrist, whatever it was, hamate bone. I had to go play doctor and look that up at the time. Uh, again, good for him. I hope it provides him a spark. Uh, you know, he talked about after the game tracking the ball better, seeing it uh, through the zone, which is a common term, but really just kind of paying more attention to seeing it out of the pitcher's hand better. Again, good. I would just like to see it happen against an SEC pitching staff before I make any sort of rash determination about whether Kale Baker can be a contributor for this team as they head into an SEC SEC West race and eventually a postseason run. Still have my doubts. Look, if he goes, you know, four for four, two for five, one for four in Starkville this weekend, then we'll have a different conversation. So not taking anything away from him, uh, just would like to see more. And again, there's still a lack of a sample size there. I feel like I've seen enough between the two years outside of literally that one weekend and really that one day against Louisville in 2020 on Baker. But at the same time, in terms of this year, there is definitely a lack of sample size argument to be made with him, uh, whether it's the COVID, the injury, the choppiness in between having to miss all those games, not having regular at-bats, had a tough weekend last weekend. But again, that's just three games. So I'm still wait and see mode on Kale Baker. The other portion of last night was, was really kind of a wild one. I am not sure I've ever seen this before, uh, at least in my time covering Ole Miss baseball. Ole Miss debuted a kid last name Jack, named Jack Doherty. And the kid shoved. He was 92, 93, worked both sides of the plate. He hit 93 on both corners, struck out five of the six batters he faced in his season debut. True freshman right-hander from, I think he's from the Jackson, Tennessee area. No, sorry, Collierville. That's Memphis. Big, long frame. Throws really hard. I, to be honest, I had to be reminded who this kid was and where he was recruited from uh, via the internet last night when I was watching a piece of that game. Because uh, I was, it's kind of, I'm sure I was like, y'all, it was like, wait, who's out there right now and what is he doing? And it's an interesting, if you went and watched Mike Bianco's post game presser last night, he talked about how, you know, Doherty was okay in the fall. Uh, he was 86 to 89 with his fastball. Nothing spectacular, struggled to locate at times. And Really, they planned to redshirt him, and I don't know what came over Mike Bianco. He said he talked to the kid before the game and said, he's, you're actually going to get a chance in a game uh, this year, or excuse me, today, I guess would have been the conversation he had with him. I don't know what made him change course. Maybe it's the Max Trophy thing, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but, you know, he's just trying arms. I don't think he has a lot of guys on the back end that he trusts right now, and you know, Mike wouldn't commit to him for the weekend, but hell, I don't care who you're facing. 92-93 on the corners is 92-93 on the corners. 
no matter who it is, whether it's Alcorn State, Austin P, or Vanderbilt. I mean, that, that, that plays anywhere and showed pretty decent command. He didn't show a ton of it for the breaking stuff, but he didn't really have to. Austin P had no shot of catching up to his fastball. So, again, that's an interesting one because I've never seen that before. Uh, Greer Holston debuted late, late, and I think it was the Governor's Cup of either the 18 or 19 season, whatever the year was that he got the yips and didn't pitch and was not on the travel roster and kind of went MIA for a while. And he pitched okay in that Governor's Cup game, if I remember correctly, but obviously never went on to be any sort of consistent contributor for Ole Miss after that. I'm not saying this kid is going to be that, but at the same time, it's certainly intriguing. But credit to him. Like I mentioned, Mike said he was going to redshirt him, uh, changed his mind. I think that's probably – a credit to hit this kid getting in the weight room, strengthening himself, adding weight, uh, kind of refined his pitch mix. This is not any like anything on my end. This is all Mike Bianco's words. And it's a pretty cool story of a guy that was probably not ready to pitch this year, but uh, kind of forced his way into that conversation by getting stronger, adding more velocity. His velocity has apparently spiked in the last month or so. Um, obviously, if you go from 86 to 89 to 92, 93 in game action, that's that's one hell of a spike. So I don't know what to make of it. I, I was just as surprised as most of you watching or any of you that kept up last night. I'm not saying he's going to help Ole Miss on the weekends, but after seeing what I saw last night and striking out five of the six hitters you face over two innings, didn't really even sniff giving up a hit and painted both sides of the plate with his fastball and threw the secondary stuff when he absolutely had to. I'm not going to rule anything out. I don't think Mike Bianco ruled anything out in his post-game press conference last night either. I just think he's kind of wait-and-see mode as well. But, hell, I guarantee you if things get squirrely, you know, in the seventh inning of the Sunday game and Ole Miss has burnt through some pitching, uh, that kid will at least be in the conversation, which he was certainly not, you know, just two days ago. So, good for him. And, and with the Max Trophy injury, which we'll transition to in, in just a second, Ole Miss kind of needs something like that. So, what a, uh, what a potentially pretty crazy story for a guy that was not expected to contribute at all to potentially becoming a, I don't want to get ahead of myself and say crucial piece, but any sort of contributor right now for Ole Miss in the back end of that bullpen would be crucial by some standard. So I don't know. That was an interesting story. That was a first for me. Good for Jack Doherty, however you say that. I couldn't, re couldn't pick up on Richard Cross how he was pronouncing it, but uh, who needs to listen to Richard anyway? So that was an interesting wrinkle to last night. It made a 13-to-1 run rule game a lot more interesting. So uh, keep an eye on the kid. I'm, I can't say anything otherwise at this point. I'm not, not ruling it out. So that was, uh, that was quite something. The other news Mike Bianco had, or I should say probably the first piece of news that he broke after the game was the fact that Max Trophy is going to miss the rest of the season with a UCL injury. And that kind of came out of nowhere because they had been trying to work him back the last couple of weeks he'd been throwing kind of mid 80s and in practice and throwing off a mound and I actually missed this he got into the game last week against North Alabama through an inning he allowed a run on three hits didn't quite go well for him I'm not going to sit here and pretend I remember that if I watched it I, it didn't pick up to me I totally missed that he had returned to game action uh, obviously I guess some more some more discomfort there and he's going to miss the year with a UCL injury that usually means Tommy John, which is just kind of devastating for the kid because that puts him in jeopardy even if he wanted to come back. He's a senior. I'm not sure how the eligibility works. I know he would have a year if he wants it, 
But uh, I, I don't necessarily know what his mindset would be and how that works. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is he, if he did want to come back, you know, that puts his health for next year in serious jeopardy. In fact, I would go as far as to say, you know, even with the advances in, 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 in recovery time with Tommy John, you know, 10 months, which would be next February, would really, really be pushing it. So just a devastating injury for, for Max Chofi, and, and that really sucks because he seems like a good dude. He was certainly going to be a contributor for Ole Miss this year. And if you want to look at it from the context of what did Ole Miss actually lose in this? Well, he only made two appearances this season. He appeared in the opening weekend series against Arlington in Arlington. I think that was game two against Texas Tech, if I'm not mistaken, and pitched pretty well in that game. Let me double check that real quick because I want to make sure I have that correct. Yeah, Texas Tech. He pitched an inning in two-thirds. A lot of run on a hit with four walks and three strikeouts. Kind of got away from him at the end, but was certainly a, a contributing factor to that win over the Red Raiders. Then I mentioned the only other one was April 5th against North Alabama, which I totally missed. But, you know, here's a guy in 2019 that if you go past particularly the raw numbers was, was pretty damn good. 16 appearances. He had a save. He allowed 15 earned runs over 30, 30.1 innings pitched, 31 hits. 38 strikeouts and just nine walks. You know, that's not going to anything to write home about as far as a uh, whip is concerned uh, in terms of walks and hits and innings pitched. Did give up some hits, but a lot of swing and miss stuff and a guy that Ole Miss could have used this year in high leverage situations has the ability to make, make people miss, uh, swing and miss, I should say, miss barrels. And that's kind of the, the guy Ole Miss has been missing. I mean, you, you, how many times has Ole Miss kind of fumbled one before they can quite get it to Broadway? And I think Max Chopey would have supplied a pretty good bridge to that and so I'm not gonna uh, you know sugarcoat it. it it's a tough loss for Ole Miss particularly with the state of the bullpen right now and and them not particularly trusting anyone them being Mike Bianco and the rest of the coaching staff uh, trusting anyone on the back end of that bullpen you know that's just another option and another arm you don't have and as cool of a story as as Jack Doherty is I I, I mean I'm not you know that's not a plug and play replace thing I don't think you discovered something last night in terms of a Max Trophy replacement, kid has one career college outing. He's faced six hitters. I don't think anyone was thinking that or putting two and two together. I just don't think you can add that as a net positive or to of any sort to losing Max Trophy for for the year. I mean, kid was really good in 2018 as well. He had a 1.96 ERA, struck out 16, walked nine over 23 innings, and allowed just 14 hits. And for, you know, in what was a pretty deep bullpen in that 2018 team, even though this. It was such a sour ending to the year. You know, he was really good. He gave up five earned runs in 14 appearances. I mean, that opponents hit 175 off him in 2018. They hit 115 off of him in 2020 in the six appearances he did have, which might have been a better indicator than anything of what Max Chofi was on his way to becoming. He pitched eight innings last year and allowed one earned or unearned run on three hits over eight innings. Was was pretty just absolutely filthy. 12 strikeouts in eight innings. And I don't think he issued a walk last year. Definitely did not issue a walk. So that's a big loss. A veteran kid that's been in the moment before, it, it sucks. And when you kind of look at how you view this team now through some different injuries, yeah, they get Baker and LaFleur back from mono and a broken wrist, respectively. We've covered the Elko loss to death. This team is not sunk by injury yet, but – you're approaching the point where you're kind of having to maybe reevaluate what this team's ceiling is. 
And I know that sounds ridiculous to say in some senses because this is a talented group. They have enough pieces to overcome Max Trophy not being available and him being on the shelf. They have a way to replace Tim Elko by committee. You saw it a little bit last week, and the top five guys in the order were as good as you could possibly ask them to be. It's just a matter of filling the bottom three slots now if Hayden Leatherwood can continue to hit the way he is. You know, it's a big loss losing Elko, but it looks like they can get around it if they continue to perform well. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that's two big contributors, one in your bullpen and your best hitter on the roster that are now on the shelf, presumably for the year. I know it's a possibility Elko comes back. I'm not holding my breath with regards to that, and I would advise you not to either. But you're one or two key contributors away from really kind of changing the way you view this team. I mean, what happens if, God forbid, you know, Taylor Broadway gets hurt and misses any significant amount of time, or hell, even Drew McDaniel or Jackson Kimbrell, name a guy, particularly on the pitching staff, and you're really kind of in a shorthanded funk, and kind of the same goes for any one of those top guys, top five guys in the lineup, the Chatagnais, the Gonzaleses, the Benches of the world. Like if Hayden Dunhurst, you know, if one of them tweaks anything – you're really talking about being thin and not being at full strength. So I think Ole Miss has the ability to overcome the loss of Max Trophy in a vacuum, even counting the Tim Elko. If you look at this team in its current state without Tim Elko, sure, they have the ability to overcome it. But in terms of injury and poor luck, you're kind of running out of any sort of cushion. And so they really need to stay healthy the rest of the way. And if there's an outside shot, they can get Elko back in a batter's box and with the ability to run without much pain and he's willing to do it that would certainly help as well but I'm just cautioning you to kind of kind of maybe not temper your expectations yet but you know you're approaching that year from hell uh injury territory and they've had it in other spurts right you get some guys back shot and missed some time Baker misses time uh you know, I think Calvin Harris gets injured before the year and can't play the field though he got into first base last week like, they've kind of managed to, to dodge some bullets in terms of major injury, but now you have two major guys out. And so you're kind of approaching the danger zone there. So they need to stay intact the rest of the way. And it's, it's no one's fault or anything they can do differently, obviously, and I don't mean to frame it that way. They just need to have good injury fortune the rest of the way, particularly heading into a uh, huge series against Starkville. So that's kind of wrapping up the Max Trophy news. Hope he has a quick recovery. I hope he can come back and pitch in some fashion and finish his career uh whether he wants to move on and go provide professional baseball i have no idea i don't know anything about his draft stock the covid things kind of thrown a wrench in the senior deal uh, but i imagine if he did come back it would probably try to be in an old miss uniform that's just a guess uh, kind of based on the sample size and where he's at in his career and when the injury happened so best of luck that that really sucks hope the kid has a good recovery or safe and sound recovery Last piece of news last night was, I think, the one we've all been waiting for. Drew McDaniel is replacing Derek Diamond in the weekend rotation. I, I can hear all of you rejoicing out there now. Uh, I kind of dove into the numbers on this last night a little bit after hearing the news, and I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, you can make an argument this was a week or two overdue, right? I mean, you could argue that he, he should have – this should have happened after uh, Drew McDaniel pitched so well in place of Doug – Nikhazy uh, at Auburn but you know Derek Diamond pitched well enough that day to keep his job what he allowed 
He went six innings, allowed four hits, no earned runs. By far and away, his best start of the season. You could make the argument Texas the season opener was, but hell, six shutout innings is something he hasn't done all year. Six strikeouts, just one walk, which is key because he's had multiple walks in every other outings he's had, and scattered four hits. So it it was really almost – I'm not going to say it worked to a disservice for Ole Miss that he pitched so well because they got the sweep, and that's the reason they're still in such good position uh, despite losing their last two series. But it's just hard to make a move at that point, particularly when the guy that does that has been your Sunday starter or number three starter, whichever way you want to look at it, for – the better part of a full season to that point. He makes it through the entire non-conference slate as the Sunday guy last year, has yet to have any other role at Ole Miss other than being the Sunday guy. I don't really blame Mike for making a move or not making a move there and sticking with him. I'm just not sure at the time you had any other choice, no matter how good Drew McDaniel was. And then he gets him being diamond, gets to six innings the next week against Alabama. It wasn't great. He lost three runs on – Six hits, strikes out six, walks three, but stretches out to that ever-crucial sixth-inning quality start, Mark. And, again, you're thinking, okay, he hasn't done anything to, uh, to warrant being taken out of the rotation despite it not looking great in terms of a whole body of work for the year. Things go south at Florida. Things really go south against Arkansas. And Mike finally makes the move. You could argue it's a weekend too late. I would probably make that argument. But at the same time, I'm not going to crush Mike Bianco for sticking with a guy that's been a Sunday guy for now the equivalent of a season and a fourth um, just to kind of maybe have another arm back in the bullpen. Now, I think Derek Diamond and his high velocity translates a little better to the bullpen. Maybe he could be that bridge guy we talked about getting the game to Broadway. For example, last week, things get squirrely partly because of the umpire with Gunnar Hoagland. He gets ousted out of the game pretty quickly after he's rolling. You could probably go to Broadway if you needed to, up three to one in the sixth at that point. But at the same time, you don't really want to push him if he wants to come back Sunday. That's the role Ole Miss is missing right now. Jackson Kimbrell came in and didn't really get the job done. You know, Arkansas ties the game 3-3. We know what happened after that. That's the role you could maybe see Diamond in, where he only faces three, four hitters or goes, you know, collects four or five outs, maybe goes an inning and two-thirds to get it to Taylor Broadway to help Ole Miss preserve some of these wins on the front end. To whereas Drew McDaniel, I think, is actually better suited either in long relief, which is not how he was always used out of the bullpen, or obviously as the starter, which he is now. So I think this might give Ole Miss some clarity in the bullpen. I will be interested to see whether or not Derek Diamond translates well uh, to the back end of that bullpen and how that works. So I'm not going to crush Mike Bianco for this move or waiting so long to do it. Maybe it was a week too late, but at least it's happening. But I would also caution you, and I feel like I'm talking out of the both sides of my mouth here because I've been advocating for this for a while. And if you listen to Colin and I on the podcast, we both have. But if you just look at the raw numbers, and you know, there's so much more to baseball than just looking at ERA, innings, pitch, strikeouts, and all that. But you've got Derek Diamond. I, this actually surprised me because I thought his strikeout numbers were lower. Derek Diamond in 36 and a third innings has struck out 40, given up, uh, and just issued, issued 14 walks. Drew McDaniel, 38 strikeouts over 31 innings. So a little bit better clip, generating a lot more swings and misses. I think you could probably gauge that just off of of looking at it with the eye test. Earned runs, 10 over 31 innings. Walks, 10. Whereas Derek Diamond, 14 walks, not a terrible number. 24 earned runs on 42 hits over those 36 and a third. Whereas Drew McDaniel, just 10 earned runs on 28 hits. 
over 31 innings. And so that's not a huge difference, but you can tell Drew McDaniel, because he's generating a lot more swings and misses, is getting out of innings and stranding guys on base to where Derek Diamond, I mean, hell, how many times have you seen him get a guy or a guy or two on with two outs and you think, okay, if he can just strand him here, it won't end up mattering and a kid hits the ball over the fence. I think the inability to generate swings and misses when you need it or even just soft contact, right? I mean, look at the hit discrepancy. 42 hits in 36 innings versus 28 hits for McDaniel in 31 innings. It's just the hard contact. So it's the ability to miss barrels and generate soft contact, particularly when runners are on base, I think is separating the two. Um, I don't even necessarily know if it's as much a command issue as it is location with Diamond, which I think is different. And I think his confidence has deteriorated a little bit. Drew McDaniel gets roughed up in his last outing against Arkansas through 66 pitches earlier in the week against the SWAC school. I'm just not sure how much I'd hold that. I think Drew McDaniel will translate better as a starting role for Ole Miss and give Ole Miss a little bit more life, if nothing else, right? Just give them a little bit more juice and a little more confidence with a different guy on the hill because as Derek Diamond's confidence has faded a little bit, I think you can see that maybe a little bit of a collective result with the rest of the group. It's not an observation I'm able to back up or quantify, but it's just something that happens in baseball right now. Drew McDaniel's last two outings against Arkansas, by the way, just to correct the record, were point, uh, any, uh, two-thirds of an inning where he gave up an earned run, walked two, wasn't great. He was good against Florida in the two outings that he had. So scratch that. That was just a mess up on my part. But it, be that as it may, whether he was good or bad, I kind of want to wait and see and judge him when he has the ball from the start of the game like he did on Saturday against Auburn and pitched quite well. So I think this is a move that's going to help Ole Miss. Hopefully Diamond can provide value out of the bullpen, particularly with the loss of Max Chofey. And Ole Miss is a better baseball team uh, because of it. But there's a lot of moving parts here. And the point of me reading those stats in terms of inning pitch strikeouts is if you're looking for this to be kind of an all-encompassing savior type of deal where this solves all of Ole Miss's problems in the finale, I would caution against that. Because at the same time, McDaniel's only had one SEC start. And it's a different beast when you're going through the rigors of, of some of the better offenses in this league on a consistent basis. Now, State hasn't hit the ball great outside of last weekend for most of the year. But you get my point. Like, where's Drew McDaniel? Do we have a different opinion of him after three SEC starts? You know, has he kind of been hidden? Not hidden, but viewed differently because he's coming out of the bullpen and done pretty well in the non-conference opponents he's faced? I don't know. I think he'll end up being a better option than Derek Diamond. But the point of reading through all that, again, was just to show you the numbers are not all that different outside of the earned runs allowed and the, uh, the hits allowed, to where Diamond is getting hit harder a lot more and more runs are crossing the plate as a result, right? This isn't rocket science. If Drew McDaniel's strikeout numbers, similar. Earn runs, or excuse me, walks, similar. Earn runs, different story. And so I think that's why that'll give Ole Miss a little bit of an advantage heading into the weekend. If nothing else, Ole Miss's best three starting pitchers are going to throw the three days in a huge series in Starkville. We'll have more on that later. I'm going to have my uh, radio, old radio cohort, Brian Haydad, on. I may drop that Thursday. I don't know. Or I may just add it into the Mailbag Friday pod with Colin. I don't want the content to be too repetitive. So, like, if we preview the state series, I don't want me and Colin to review the same points on the same podcast. So, maybe a bonus podcast for the people. Who knows? I'll have to see how the interview goes. But, uh, anyway, I wanted to cover that after Ole Miss's 13-1 win last night because there were quite a few news nuggets to come from that. So, anyway... Let's get to the LB's Grill Corner now, um, and then we will close the podcast with that. So without further ado, here's LB's Craig. 
All right, now we welcome on LB's Greg. You know the man by now. This is a second edition of Grill Corner, I guess. The first one, Greg was on with me to do a Mailbag Friday. And once I mentioned that he was coming to do Mailbag Friday, the grill questions just started rolling in. So uh, we're kind of making our own segment of it. We got some questions to get to. Um, we'll catch up with Greg, probably some uh, some horse episodes. What's up, man? Oh, man, just, uh, you know, just uh, ready for the uh, weekend and uh, got the store stocked up, ready to go. And, uh, you know, uh, it seems like there was a little bit more grill questions uh, for the Friday episode versus the Wednesday episode. So uh, I guess it just is what it is with that situation. I'm going to talk that up to people just wanting to have grilling on their mind as we head towards the weekend instead of me putting that out on a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess uh, – more people enter a grill mindset uh, following Thursday versus following Tuesday. So we'll, 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 uh, we'll get this thing down, Pat. No doubt. I mean, hell, the weekend starts on Thursday for a lot of people. If your weekend starts on Tuesday, I'd like to know what you do for a living. Yeah, you know, I almost uh, wanted to uh, ask the question how, how you pop a tart uh, because it, it seemed like uh, you don't know how to uh, pop a tart. Yeah, that's the, that's the only thing. I can do a Pop-Tart. I can do a pizza, California Pizza Kitchen. Or if I'm feeling like upscale Italian or lean cuisine. But that's pretty much all I got going for me. I'm partially kidding because I do know how to grill to some degree. But anything that involves getting in the kitchen and cutting up peppers and, and stuff like that, anything that's going to potentially mess up my hands or something that's overly hot indoors – is probably a no-go for me. Those are my general two rules of thumb. I know my limitations. So pretty much Gordon Ramsay's going to put two pieces of bread uh, and, and call you an idiot sandwich like that, that, that gif, right, when it comes to the kitchen? I would be honored if Gordon Ramsay would come on here and call me an idiot sandwich. He doesn't even have to teach me anything. If he could just say that into a microphone and I could have that, I could add it to the intro. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would think that would be one of the best intros ever. You know, it's just like, who are you? I'm an idiot sandwich. Yeah, if I could have him say Rippy is an idiot sandwich, I would just have that be the intro. It would play like five or six times to really hammer the point home before people get kind of do uh, dove into an episode. I might have to uh, might have to shoot like, a shot with that. Surely Gordon Ramsay has DMs. Oh, yeah. I would think that uh, we could actually name the podcast uh, Rippy's an idiot sandwich. I like that. It has a nice ring to it. I wonder how Apple Pod would react to that. But uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Before we get going, before we get going today, what uh, what do you got going on at the store? How are things over there? We know we've got the uh, six, uh, excuse me, ten dollars sixteen ounce prime strip for all subscribers rolling right now. I hope all of you have been uh taking advantage of that, but not too much advantage, which we'll get to at the end of the show. I'll save my pent up anger towards the end of the show. <laughs> not not really no. the anger. That's too strong a word. But that being said, what's uh, what's going on at the store right now? Well, I mean, you know, we had uh, Arkansas in town uh, this last weekend, so uh, you know, the town was uh, the town was jumping and everything was good, and we had a good weekend. And uh, I ended up feeding Arkansas Friday and Saturday, and uh, we fed Ole Miss Saturday, Sunday, and then we actually sandwiched the uh, Ole Miss softball team in there Saturday afternoon af after their uh, comeback victory against South Carolina. Did the softball team end up sweeping? Did, they, they lost the third? finale I saw. I think they lost uh, the finale, but I'm assuming they took two. I actually did not keep up this weekend. So, if they lost the finale, I'm assuming they took two? Yeah, they won the first two games. So, 
Uh, so, yeah, we fed some uh, baseball team and a softball team this weekend and uh, had a bunch of customers come in and get some lane trains and get some fresh sausages. So, yeah, it was a good weekend, you know. It's just uh, it's good to try to get everything back to normal, you know. Uh, I think there was, what, 30, 33,000 this weekend at Swayze. So, um, you know, numbers are up, and uh, I don't think uh, – of those 33,000 people that attended the game. I don't think that, you know, uh, any of them died. So, I mean, I think it's good. I mean, I think we're, we're getting back to normal. Yeah, it's been good to see that really over just the course of the entire month. But obviously it, it manifests itself uh, really a lot more on these SEC weekends when Swayze has 10, 11,000 people in it. It was, it was good to see. And, of course, you know, people get – I don't put too much stock in the internet. internet. I can't talk again today. I feel like I say that every show. But uh, people always get mad about the flexing the crowd thing. If you're mad about people flexing the amount of people they have at a game in the middle of a pandemic and your reasoning is not the pandemic, then what are you happy about? Yeah, I mean, it's just a, uh, it's a, it's a tough situation because, you know, there's some people that, um, you know, get triggered whenever uh, – I think it was Clay Travis that retweeted the uh, – Hayden Dunhurst three-run home run and the uh, beer showers in right field and everything like that. So, uh, man, it is what it is. And, uh, I, I, you know, we can't live our life in fear. Uh, we have to, you know, pr uh, move forward with everything in general. Uh, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, that's just another topic and another situation and probably another podcast uh, to – to talk about but you know i'm just glad that um the, the people that want to go to a baseball game got to go to a baseball game and got to experience a, a really good series between uh you know the number two team and the number three team in the country you know that's uh that's a uh that's a that's a good situation to be in and, and that's some good baseball to watch oh yeah for sure and i wasn't even going down that direction you know you, like i've always said sec football fans are a hell of a lot crazier, but SEC baseball fans get madder over stupider shit. And like what oh, I was getting yeah. at is like Arkansas and state fans getting all, or I say Arkansas and state fans, I'm sure it's just an eclectic mix of all three. It's not like the old Miss fan base in some degree on the internet is even any better, but like people get real mad when you flex how many people you had in your stadium or how cool your stadium is, because that's a big sense of pride, which I don't know how in the world you could give one iota of a shit about that. If you're a college baseball program and you're getting 10,000 a game, I'd probably just enjoy the atmosphere and go about my day. But uh, I think that feeds into my theory. SEC football fans, much more insane. SEC baseball fans uh, get madder about way dumber stuff, like tweeting Kendall Rogers about a top 10 uh, ranking in April. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then I think uh, uh, the former Arkansas baseball player, uh, Dominic Fig Fig Figuchola, uh, I think he got in on the, the Twitter rant with some, uh, with some action. So I guess his uh, – his Twitter feed was kind of dry, so I think he uh, he uh, had to stir the pot about, uh, about a couple tweets. So, uh, <laughs> man, you know, it is what it is. I mean, baseball, SEC baseball is exclusive product, you know, and uh, there's a reason why there's uh, six out of the uh, – five out of the top six are SEC teams. So, um, yeah, I mean, just SEC baseball means a little bit more, I promise you that. Yeah, that's actually a good positive way to look at it. And I meant to go on a rant about that on Sunday's show, but Colin and I ran a little bit long. I just, I've never bought much stock into the whole, these guys don't play the right game the right way thing. Because in baseball, it's gotten to the professional baseball, I should say, uh, the, the bigs. 
it's gotten to just a small select few of old timers that have not phased out of their analyst jobs on whatever regional broadcast that they have. Aside from that, no one really cares that Ronald Acuna bat flips and all that stuff anymore. And rightfully so. But like now you're kind of seeing it filter into college baseball where people get very emotional about people having fun. Like I said, if you're, if you didn't have a college baseball season last year and if you're watching your television and you're mad about a baseball team showing emotion and looking like they're having fun out there. I just don't have a whole hell of a lot for you as it pertains to that certain Arkansas baseball player. I don't even remember that guy. I'm not saying I didn't cover him. I'm not saying he didn't play when he came to the Oxford. I just don't remember him. But my old, uh, my old radio cohort, Michael Borky, I don't know if you saw this, uh, dug up some sort of video or gif of that guy pimping like a two run home run in a regular season game. Granted it was late innings against Louisiana tech. Uh, so that, that didn't really jive. That was pretty clever stuff by Borky. I don't know if you saw that. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I, uh, he got drafted by the Detroit Tigers. And, uh, you know, it just, there's a reason why he uh, has his uh, profile uh, set up to uh, former Arkansas Razorback baseball player. And that's it, you know. Um, but, hey, you know, touche, you know, like I said, whenever your Twitter, your, your Twitter feed is dry and uh, you, you need some action, you know, uh, triggers to people. But. Uh, it, it is what it is, but man, you know, like I said, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, uh, that's how that baseball works, you know, and, uh, it's just awesome to see, you know, because, uh, you know, Ole Miss program is just as good as the Arkansas program. I know that, you know, every Arkansas fan can chirp back and say, how many times have you gone to Omaha to an Ole Miss fan? But, you know, uh, they're both solid programs, you know, Ole Miss is in a, the tournament every year. They're winning, you know, 15 to 20, you know, SEC games a, a year. And, uh, you know, they're always in the mix. And it's just – it's a, it sucks that it's a uh, – you're judged on how many times you go to Omaha. But, uh, you know, Omaha is tough to get. And it's uh, tough to uh, win a two- or three-game series uh, against, uh, you know, a, a team that's playing good or whatnot. But I, I promise you, not the best eight teams get to Omaha every year. And uh, – you know, I feel like Ole Miss has kind of been on the short end of the stick on that on that on that statistic uh, a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, them being one in five in super regionals under Mike Bianco is almost a statistical anomaly and like bordering on impossibility. Like, if you go to a two-game series, excuse me, two of three series six times, like how in the world do you one in five? You know, just a one final note before we get in there. You mentioned like we kind of joke about all of that, but. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. It's crazy how much college baseball is growing uh, amongst the already established fan bases. You know, I was out here. They played in my backyard to open the season, and it was interesting. We walked in there, and that was one of the first times I really felt like the world was normal again because, you know, they had – I don't remember the numbers, but they had a lot of people in that ballpark. And you got to remember, that's COVID restrictions – and we had a snowpocalypse out here that week that pushed the tournament back a day. And I'm sure screwed up traveling, especially if you're flying, I guess driving as well, almost more so. And it just made me think when I'm sitting in there amongst all those people, like how many people would have been at that preseason tournament if the world had been normal? It would have been oh. jammed. Oh, oh yeah. It, it would have been uh, just like that, uh, that last post that the Astros posted that, you know, that full capacity because, that literally, that tournament was almost a semi-Omaha, you know, setup. Just it was in Texas, um, you know, and uh, I think five of the six teams were in the top fifteen or top ten or top twelve or something like that. But 
Yeah, man, it is what it is. And it, you just hate whenever something like that comes about and uh, you can't go to it because I would have been, been all on that because, you know, I, I've never been to the Rangers ballpark. And, I mean, unless the Detroit Tigers are playing the Texas Rangers, I'm not going to the Rangers ballpark. But I'll definitely go to the Rangers' new ballpark if Ole Miss was playing a, you know, a, a, a really cool, you know, baseball tournament like they had the first of the year like that. No doubt. Let's roll into the Grill Corner brought to you by LB's University Avenue. Reminder, if you subscribe to the Rippy Rights newsletter, you got a hell of a deal going on. Greg is hooking you up as he always does. You can get a 16-ounce prime strip for 10 bucks. All you have to do is show the subscriber automated email that comes if you're a new subscriber uh, or show that original promo code I sent out about a month ago. All you have to do is go to rippyrights.substack.com and type in your email and boom. You are eating good, courtesy of LB's Greg. It's a hell of a deal. Go check it out. Let's roll into these grilling questions, shall we? As light as it may be. Although, I'll tell you what, I got a few via text, too. So it's not as light as it looked on the Twitter sphere. We got plenty to dive into. Let's start with, hmm, where do we want to start? If you could only use two sauces or marinade and one seasoning for the rest of your life, what would they be? So two sauces or marinade and one seasoning. So I think he's telling you to pick two and one, unless I read that wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's a solid question. And uh, it's funny, uh, uh, Cam, uh, uh, one of my employees, always loves to ask questions. And I think there's a podcast, I keep on forgetting what the podcast is, where they do like ice cream versus cookies, like, you know, just like stuff like that. They kind of debate it. Um, his, his question that he loves to ask is if you were stranded on a desert island and you got fresh chicken tenders delivered to you every morning and you could only get one type of sauce, what sauce would you go with? So, uh, that is kind of off that, that basis of that question. So, you know, marinades, uh, you know, there's a lot of different marinades that you can do with different things. You know, if there's a marinade that I can, you know, make sure that I have at all times, I would say it's Hoover sauce. Um, it's a, uh, you know, Mississippi Delta uh, product. Uh, it was born and raised in the Delta. And uh, so I would definitely say the Hoover sauce would have to be uh, the marinade that I go with because it's very versatile. You know, you can do it on beef, you can do it on pork, and you can do it on chicken. So uh, as far as like seasonings and everything, you know, whenever you sell prime beef and you sell free-range chicken and that sort of thing, you don't have to worry about seasoning it because it, you're already eating the best product. So, you know, I guess salt and pepper, you know, I'm not trying to be basic with that, but, uh, you know, salt and pepper and Hoover sauce is probably going to be my basic uh, go-to uh, every time on that. How do you, not to be a nerd, how do you spell that? That's Hoover sauce? Yeah, uh, Hoover sauce, Hoover Lee. Uh, H-O-O-B-E-R. It's a uh, okay. it's kind of like a teriyaki. It's like kind of like a teriyaki marinade. Um, it's basically it's a lighter teriyaki. So it's it's uh, it's real versatile. It's uh, it's it's really good. And you know, our one of our best sellers at LB's is a uh, sirloin and Hoover. So I trim out the sirloin, make sure all the fat's taken off the sirloin, and I basically kind of make like a baseball steak. It almost kind of looks like a uh, a filet mignon so uh just put cracked black pepper and hoover sauce and man it's it's money every single time 
That sounds really good. So, like, what I know you mentioned, it kind of tastes like teriyaki. Is that part of its base? Do you have any idea what it's? Yeah, called? it's it's an Asian. It's a soy based marinade. So it's it's basically a soy based marinade. That sounds delightful. I'm sure I've actually probably had it before. And one of the things that I've found fascinating looking at the statistics of this podcast, well, Mississippi and Atlanta and Nashville are, are kind of our, our, our core markets. Uh, you know, obviously Oxford Jackson is what I was getting at. Is that something you can get kind of nationwide? Like how mainstream is this? Am I just stupid because I've probably had it and never heard of it because I don't grill very often? Like how mainstream of a uh, – marinade is that well i will give you an example on uber sauce uh, so the original uh uh uber sauce it, it actually came in like a windex looking bottle and okay. um uber lee is the original owner and maker of uber sauce and it was a it's a small grocery store in louise mississippi and uber lee has recently passed away but um he uh it was it, it was world renowned and you could only get Hoover sauce. I mean, this was back in the day whenever uh, LB's was probably like two years old, but you could only get Hoover sauce at Louise, Mississippi and LB's meat market. Um, but wow. uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the government um, found out about uh, Hoover Lee and, ha and, and how much money he was making off his sauce and they wanted him to redo his label put in the ingredients and put in everything that, you know, is made to make Hoover sauce. So um, with that being said, Hoover Lee literally was like, I ain't making the sauce ever, you know, again, because, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, his recipe and whatnot, but long story short, it, uh, whenever he passed, before he passed away, his uh, family bought a factory, slash uh warehouse in miss in madison and they produce it with a new label and ingredients and everything like that to where uh you can uh it can be shipped so uh hoover sauce can be shipped uh to oregon to new york to uh to arizona all the way up to minnesota now so uh with that being said yes uh, uh i actually uh used to be the only exclusive uh, dealer of Hoover sauce in North Mississippi, other than Louise, Mississippi at the original store. That's a wild story, dude. Greg coming in hot off the top. I love that. So my natural follow-up question to that is, I guess, I don't know if this was obvious or anyone else was thinking it, but you mentioned the government finding out how much money he's making and kind of wanting to, you know, redo the label list, the ingredients and all that. Again, I'm stupid. My mom's an attorney, but I have a dum-dum for a brain, and that's why I wrote about sports for a living. I don't know if that's a copyright. I'm sure that's some sort of patent. Like, are they the only ones that can produce it, or other people knocking this off? Do you have any idea how that works? Well, I mean, it's kind of like the uh, the Yachna sauce. Um, there's, uh, you know, a lady that named Paige Osborne that uh, has the original Yachna sauce recipe, and uh, she we used to sell Yachna sauce at LB's also right next to the Uber sauce. And uh, um, she, she doesn't sell it anymore. And, you know, we do have some people asking for the Yachna sauce, but uh, it's an exclusive thing. You know, it's uh, of course that you can look up on the uh, internet and say um, production 
steak reduction marinade and you could get a similar recipe to the yachna sauce and get a similar recipe to the hoover sauce but it's not the original so uh, with that being said you know uh, when the government finds out that you're making money and they don't get a part of it uh you know they they usually uh call your phone and say hey um you know we need to uh, we need to know about your product you know so that's how that happened with the original hoover sauce label and everything and whatnot so that's why they basically bought the factory and commercialed out the uh the the uh exclusive label and everything for hoover uh for the hoover sauce so the Hoover sauce that you are buying that has the, you know, the label on it and everything, it, it is very similar, but there is one or two ingredients missing that uh, Mr. Hoover Lee has taken to him, uh, to the grave with himself. I respect, uh, I respect the move of just telling Uncle Sam to kiss his ass, I'm just going to stop making this. That's a power move. Yeah, that is. But I mean, you know, like I said, whenever you you know produce a product that people want and people you know want to have, and uh, you know because there's a lot of people that you know have uh, have bought that Windex looking bottle uh, of Hoover sauce that doesn't have it just literally had a label that said Hoover sauce, Louise, Mississippi, and his telephone number. That was the original label. Was that was you know that was the original label. Now the original, now the label has, you know, Hoover sauce and what has it on the side and everything like that. But yeah, man, uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's big time whenever you can tell the government to uh, go take a nap on that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. The last thing I'll get, to, I'll ask you about the Hoover sauce is how did you get hooked up with that? Like, obviously you had to do something to uh, be the only person providing it. How did you discover it? And how did that end up at LB's? Well, uh, the original owner of LB's, Buck Cunningham, was from uh, Chula, Mississippi, which is uh, in the heart of the Delta, and uh, just was friends with uh, with Mr. Uh, with with Hoover Lee, and uh, he would ship it in a liquor box, and it was just you know just old school of uh, just ha knowing what we were getting, and uh, we would just like I said, it would be twelve bottles of that Windex looking bottle, and it would say Hoover Sauce, Louise, Mississippi and Hooverly's telephone number so it's just cool because that's kind of what what lb's is opened on is just exclusive products and stuff that you can't get at burger and you can't get at walmart and that's why lb's is open you know for exclusive products like that yeah dude that's an awesome story that was a hell of a way to start the podcast great question to longtime listener tyler hayes he did give you a second marinade do you have one it does not have to be as extensive as uh as Hoover sauce, because I don't know how the hell you topped that, but do you have a second one? Um, you know, there is a man, uh, man, that's tough to, 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 to add another marinade after the Hoover sauce because it's so exclusive being a Mississippi product and goes so versatile so many ways. Um, there's a, a uh, kind of like it's almost kind of like General Zal sauce, but it's called Mayploy. I will send a picture of it, you know, uh, once the uh, once we post the podcast to where you can get it. But it's a kind of like a chili, uh, an Asian chili sauce. It basically is like General Zhao sauce. It's it's basically kind of like that. I don't know if you like General Zhao's chicken from China, China Royale, but I'm a big China, uh, General Zhao from uh, China Royale fan. If if you don't like that, okay, that's cool. So you mentioned the seasoning. I had one question on that. 
So you're kind of a salt and pepper guy. You mentioned if you kind of have the premium product on some things, particularly chicken, you don't necessarily need that seasoning. Are you a big seasoning guy or do you kind of like to stick to the basics? And then the second part of this was I remember, I don't remember why I recalled this. I don't know why I recall this would be a better way to phrase that. But my mom is a big cook. And when I was a kid, there was this brand of seasoning called Moon Dust that she got at some market. It may have been the Mistletoe Marketplace in Jackson for any of you Mississippi listeners out there probably know what that is, may be familiar. And after a while, she couldn't get it anymore. So she stocked up on it for the last time. I know there's a lot of like local stuff out there that kind of is like that, that is either hard to get that's kind of their go-to how far do you dive off into the seasoning world well i tell you what um uh there's a uh, guy who is actually an Ole Miss alum and uh we uh, we found each other via instagram his uh his product is called musket powder and uh man it's a really good seasoning and we uh sell it at lb's and uh uh it's kind of like a coffee grind you know it's got kind of like a coffee flavor to it um, with the coffee grind, my original steak seasoning, I actually put coffee grind in my original steak seasoning to give it, give the steak kind of a black, blackening, you know, because I prefer my steak to, uh, to be charred on the outside, but super rare in the middle because, man, there's just something about that good burnt crust on a beef that just goes real well. So, uh, but yeah, no, musket powder, you need to look it up. Uh, he, um, I, I think I, I forgot what the guy's name was, but uh, he, I think he's based out of Texas. And then we also have another uh, seasoning called uh, Hatfield's Mama. Uh, she, uh, I forget, uh, Lee, uh, Leanne Herring. She does a bunch of Ole Miss uh, reporting, recruiting, and stuff like that. Uh, I think her Twitter handle is like Miss Kentucky. So she, uh, we actually sell her seasoning also, and it's a, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, kind of like a taco uh, barbecue brisket rub. It's really good also. So uh, it's it's called Mama Hatfields, but you know it's just uh, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons why we open. I, I want to carry products that you can't get at a Kroger and a Walmart. So um, it's stuff like that that you know that, that's why we're open and. Uh, but yeah, if uh, if you're ever in LBs, definitely try some of that musket powder. Uh, definitely try some of that um, that Delta Ridge. Uh, it's been, it's made in uh, Batesville. Uh, there's a couple of seasonings over there, but um, yeah, man, seasonings can go a long way on uh, and with when it, it depends on whatever you're trying to do with it. That's fascinating. How much I didn't even know this, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm like I keep repeating, I'm no expert. So most of the time, I walk into your store, I'm trying to get the basics, some fillet burger, something like that. How much seasoning are you carrying at one time, like in terms of brands? Like when you walk in and you're someone wants to look at some seasoning, like what kind of selection are they looking at? Yeah, I mean, I've like I said, I've got a little small rack. We do the Delta Ridge, we do uh, little Bootsies uh, um, seasoning. They're real solid. I do a uh, the uh, musket powder. Um, I do um, uh, uh, the German commissary in in Memphis. I have their seasoning. I have rendezvous seasoning. I have the Hoover sauce, and then I also have uh, an exclusive uh, olive oil that is imported from Greece. Like I live, like this guy lives in Tupelo. 
he gets it shipped from Greece and everything like that. He has his own label. So uh, it's stuff like that, that, you know, that you can get, you know, and that's, you know, it's, it's awesome to be proud about that, you know, because um, if you walked in a Kroger and looked at all the olive oils and you're like, man, I'm trying to find this olive, this exclusive olive oil, they're not going to have it because, you know, they're just going to get the, the basic commercial grade olive oils. Like that's why you come over to LB's and get, exclusive products and exclusive things like that olive oil fresh from Greece. That's awesome. So, you know, that's a little bit, I know what seasoning is and that's, that's wild because it's obviously not something my, like that's not necessarily speaking my language, but like micro beers and breweries and craft beer and stuff is kind of more my language, you know, said every white dude ever that's ever lived in a metroplex of a city. But like when I lived in Cincinnati, I found a couple of local beers I liked and kind of the same thing when I was in Little Rock at that newspaper. And you find local stuff all around the country that you kind of like. It sounds like kind of the seasoning and the and the sauce game is a little bit like that as well. That's really cool. Yeah. And that, I mean, it, you're, you're, you're spot on with that, you know, because there's a lot of different beers that are out there that you can't get. And you're like, man. I remember like we would get this beer and it's not available. Say for example, like that, uh, that coffee brew I was telling you about out of, uh, out of uh, Memphis that I would get. I mean, it's, it's just an exclusive brand and it's an exclusive area. It's almost kind of like uh, before fat tire sold out and you could get fat tire only in Colorado. Well, you can get fat tire everywhere now, you know? Okay. So uh, that was one of the things like, you would be like, oh, dude, I want to go to Colorado and uh, and, and, and shred some gnar and, uh, and drink <laughs> some fat tire, you know. So, uh, but you can, you know, drink fat tire anywhere now. Yeah, that's not the only thing people are shredding out west, those damn hippies. <laughs> <laughs> that's really true. Uh, like, so in Cincinnati, if there's anyone, I know there's two Cincinnati listeners, at least one of them tweets me a decent bit, which I actually was two more than I thought. But there was a beer, the Mad Tree beer, and there was a beer called Psychopathy, which I would probably travel upwards of 50 miles for, just like on a weekly, monthly basis. But, like, you couldn't ship beer into Mississippi because there are laws. And oh, like, yeah. I, I might start doing it out here, but you have to buy it in, like, quantities of, like, $200 purchases, which at the end of the day is not horrendous. But I have found a couple like that that, that I would definitely go to bat for and kind of, like, try to export it to wherever I am if I can, which is really interesting. The other one I would say is, is Memphis Wiseacre, the tiny bomb. You can't get these out here, at least not anywhere I've found. And those things are incredible. So I feel like there's some similarities there in between the, in those two little, uh, I guess, communities for the lack of a better phrase. That was, yeah. For, I mean, it's almost kind of like the, uh, the sausage deal. Like I, um, I had a tra uh, one of my trainers in Maryland was like, Hey, are you going to send me a care package or what? And so, I finally worked it out to where I got, you know, uh, the proper box and everything like that. And uh, we uh, sent him a, sent him a little care package and he was like, man, I've been all around the world and I've never had sausage like that before. And I, I just replied back and go, well, you haven't been to Mississippi, you know? So uh, with that being said, you know, uh, th there are some cool stuff and some cool things to be a part of. And, you know, those exclusive beers and, exclusive marinades are just something that uh makes uh makes makes uh actually you know the united states unique because there's so many different you know things going out there in different regions 
Yeah, you're right about that, dude. You gave me the spicy ribeye sausage one time, and then one other one other strand of sausage when I went and traveled. That, this was heat of the pandemic to Texarkana. I was trying to impress my girlfriend's dad. I can't remember what the other one was. They were both awesome, but like one of them was like the greatest thing I've ever eaten, and I can't, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but man, that stuff. It's probably the ribeye. Sausage. I'm pretty sure it might have been the ribeye sausage. It, it may have been, and I just have a terrible memory. But uh, that it, it, I, I sent some boudin to the guys in Maryland, and he was like, "Hey, uh, this sausage is that rice?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, man." I was like, "That's boudin," and he's like, "Boo what?" And I was like, "Boudin." Do people? And so uh, no, it's just don't know. You know it just, Oh man, you know, like it's so funny. Uh, we uh, we fed Arkansas both Friday and Saturday, and um, actually the uh, the coach for, uh, from Arkansas texted me Monday night. He's like, "Man, you you literally ruined us." And I was like, "Man, you know, like you're not the first you know person to text me that you know after them getting fed because." Uh, you know, and that's just what it's almost kind of like a sense of gratitude whenever you do stuff like, yes, it, uh, it, it's, it's tough uh, feeding the enemy. And uh, yes, you don't want the enemy to do good. But you know, the enemy uh, has to eat too, you know, and uh, with that being said, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of cool whenever Ar Arkansas calls you and you don't call them. And, uh, you know, they ask you to, you know, cook food for them because you know, the, the old Miss guy, called him and you know they you know referred us to them so um you know it, it, it is what it is but yeah i promise you arkansas ain't gonna ever eat like they did uh like this weekend uh here in oxford i was about to say you definitely want the enemy eating your food every two years when they come back through that's a that's a big plus yeah well i mean you know uh we fed them two years ago and uh he called me and goes yeah we used you before and you know of course you know, my hardcore Ole Miss fans are like, all right, so obviously you cracked up a bunch of Xanax, you know, some, L you know, what, what not. And I'm like, man, you know, it just don't work like that. You know, I, I you know, I, it, I take pride and honor in, you know, them calling me and reaching out to, for me to, to feed them. So um, it, it's just, you know, it's kind of cool. And uh, it's kind of a, it's awesome to be a part of, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And look, if you're, if you're going to put some LSD or something funky in there, don't do it to the pitcher because I'm pretty sure that means you're going to throw a perfect game. Yeah. Well, what's really cool is whenever uh, Arkansas calls uh, calls you and says, hey, go ahead and send me that invoice because I'm going to give you an envelope with an uh, Arkansas Razorback in it and it's going to be full of cash. So, uh, you know, uh, hopefully there's not a, uh, a, a tax uh, – Tax, uh, tax auditor listening to the podcast, but yeah, uh, it, it definitely helps whenever Arkansas sends you uh, sends you an envelope full of cash. If you're an auditor listening right now, stop listening. I mean, yeah. we took care of that. We got <laughs> a, we got a second one here. Uh, grill corner question for Greg: Does he have a preference of aluminum foil or butcher paper when it comes to wrapping brisket or pork or and pork butt? Excuse me. Well, uh, honestly, um, you know, I've always seen these videos on uh, Instagram and uh, of the paper, butcher paper and everything, and we've had some pe people come in and ask for butcher paper. Well, I just turned around and ordered some from Amazon just because I just don't think that you can get butcher paper 
cooking butcher paper in Oxford. So uh, if you ever need some cooking butcher paper, you know, come by the store and I'll, and I'll give you some to, uh, for you to try out. Um, you know, I, I, there's, you know, of course, people would love just to buy a big roll of it, but not everybody's going to use a huge roll. So um, with 10, you know, man, I'm from Mississippi and uh, I, I'm not trying to say I'm a redneck, but I've done a lot of made and done a lot of things with tenfold uh, uh, with, uh, with cooking and without cooking. So with that being said, uh, you know, uh, it, you can't go wrong with either one. But uh, but yes, if you need some butcher cooking paper, we've got it at LB's. But, uh, you know, tenfold is just going to be tenfold. You know, it's just uh, there's not going to be a preference. But if you can get your hands on some cooking butcher paper, come by LB's and I'll get you taken care of. So for the, the dum-dums out there, what is butcher paper and why is it superior? It's kind of like, it, it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a wax paper that doesn't burn. So the butcher paper that I wrap your steak in is basically, you remember when the cheerleaders in high school would paint the gym and do the, like with those, yeah, with that, yeah, okay. With the, okay, that, that's basically butcher paper. Why is it? They, why is it better? Is it because tinfoil is just kind of the metally, like? Yes, uh, it, it won't it won't burn, it won't melt or anything like that. But the uh, the cooking butcher paper has a wax film to it, so that way it stays form, and then it just whenever, whenever say basically whenever you wrap it with cooking butcher paper and cook with it, it's basically like a real wet piece of paper but the paper stays intact because of the wax okay that makes sense so so whenever you cook something with just the regular butcher paper and it doesn't have the wax it's just basically falls apart and comes on you know comes undone you see what i'm saying that wax doesn't keep the paper intact i got you so like tinfoil is like kind of the okay like, like you said not necessarily redneck way of doing it but like kind of the uh the lower class style like if you're really yeah for sure really high roller. yeah i mean you know everybody would like to wrap their uh smoke their brisket to 130 degrees and then turn around and your paper uh and then you know but there's some people that just like hell just give me the damn tenfold yeah that's what i was uh i mentioned we may have been doing a podcast with you or i can't remember who else it was but during that snow apocalypse there was a boiled water notice out here and i had people from work being like like texting me being like are you okay? like are you good like you got enough bottled water and i'm like dude i'm from mississippi like whatever's in this water is not going to kill me at this point like that i appreciate that well, actually you're from jack that's a good point Boston's I mean, you, you, water you, you're, you're pretty uh you, I, I think you're immune <laughs> yeah i think your immune system is pretty much uh, uh immune to everything that's what I told my now, boss. Me being from that. <laughs> I, that's what I told me my being boss from that I was like, like if, if Jackson Water hasn't killed me, nothing will. Yeah. And uh, that, that's why I was referring to Madison County. There's just something in that Bear Creek water supply, you know. Uh, just uh, everybody is built different in Madison. <laughs> no kidding, dude. I get the Mississippi deal. I mean, everywhere I go, but like out here. Uh, kind of sometimes too. I had some random guy ask me the other day about the vaccine, and you could tell he knew where. Like, yeah, I told him where I was from, and you, he was almost asking me 
like expected me to be like to hell with Bill Gates and his microchip and was like surprised when I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll just wait my turn. <laughs> I think they think we're all nuts out here right, uh, back home. I don't understand why, but hey, I had shoes on. I look pretty civilized. Yeah, man, we just got the internet the other day, so it's kind of pretty cool around these parts now that we got the internet. Yeah, no kidding. Wait till the paved roads come in. That'll be sick. Uh, let's see. I know this isn't grilling, even though I'm prefaced this question. I didn't know this reading this that this wasn't grilling, but Dan asks, I know this isn't grilling, but I've been thinking about buying a Traeger. What would you recommend for under a thousand bucks? What are your favorite meats to cook on a smoker? So let's start with the first one. I, again, I, I amateur here. Uh, my girlfriend's dad showed me a Traeger back in the summer that he had. And I knew it was like pellets or whatever. And I guess thinking about it now, I guess it's more of a smoker, but that does not, that is not in the grill family. That's not a grill. Yeah. I mean, uh, man, I, I try not to call anybody being lazy, but like, uh, Traegers are for people that just want to, uh, turn the knob, put some pellets in there and get it ready. Um, I mean, that's just kind of the, uh, I've kind of come to the understanding on Traegers. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that, um, you know, people that own Traegers aren't really true grillers, but you know, whenever you can turn a knob and it gets to 225 degrees, man, I'll take that every time, you know? So, uh, it's honestly, you get what you pay for on that. I just, uh, I wish that I was in, in, in all, honestly, I, um, you know, that's kind of one of, uh, the business plans that we have for LBs, uh, for, because, you know, when you business, you take the, you, you start out with your five-year plan and you hopefully make it to the five years and then turn around and you hope you make it to 10 years. And then whenever you get to the 12th year, you're like, shit, I mean, what do we need to do now? You know? So, um, with that being said, I really wish that I can expand LBs out to where we're selling grills and we can educate our customers on buying exclusive grills like the Traeger, like the Green Egg, like that Lodge grill I was talking about, even that, you know, pit barrel smoker that Richard likes so much, you know, so uh, that's just kind of how, uh, how we're trying to expand out. So uh, I, I will be educated on Traegers and Green Eggs a lot more in the next, you know, couple of months because I'm seriously considering, you know, expanding the business out to food and grills. That's so, awesome. I did not yeah. know that. So why did he say, but so I, I guess I'm confused because I considered, granted, it's the easy man's way of grilling as you just outlined, but I would consider that a grill, right? Like is it, a Traeger's not a smoker, is it? Well, it, it's, it's as a smoker, too, because, like, um, it, it, it's basically um, – it, it's a smoker and a cooker at the same time. So whenever a smoker is something that is not – is producing from the left – like, whenever – you remember that old-school barrel smoker that has the pit on the left side and then the barrel on the right side? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the left side is producing that 220 degrees to push it over to the big barrel to where it gets to 225 degrees. Okay, so, I see. So with that being said, you, on a Traeger, you literally can turn the knob and say, hey, I want it to be 250 degrees in this, in this barrel, you know, so it, those pellets get it hot to where it's 250 degrees on the right side and it turn, on the left side 
and then it rotates over to the right side to make it a 250 degrees at all times. I got you. So, so you said, so rain check, you say on recommend for under a grand. We have, hell, in a couple months, maybe go to LB. Yeah, I wish I knew how much a Traeger costs. I mean, you know, I would, uh, you know, but I, I'm not in that market. But I mean, for under a thousand dollars, I mean, I think that, uh, I, uh, you know, I think Traeger would be well worth it. I have a customer that originally bought a green egg and, you know, he loved it for three or four months and he decided to expand his uh, back porch out and bought a trailer. So uh, there's no rights there. Um, there's just certain different things that grills bring to the table. Sure. That makes sense. So the second part of his question is what are your favorite meats to cook on a smoker? You know, it's just very basic stuff because, like, whenever you're trying to smoke meats, uh, you're just basically trying to do stuff that you have time. You can drink five, six, seven beers before the food gets ready. You're not, you know, trying to eat in, in a span of 30 to 45 minutes. So there's a lot of different things that go in that category. You know, Boston butts are very popular for that. Um, uh, briskets are very popular. Uh, chicken wings are very popular. Half chickens are very popular. Things that, you know, need a low and slow temperature to get that kind of good smoky taste. So I would think half chickens is going to be perfect. Wings are going to be perfect. Uh, um, that brisket, you know, if you've got eight, nine hours to smoke that brisket flat and, you know, wrap it up in that butcher paper, then, you know, that, that's going to be a perfect cut for it. Um, certain things like ribeyes, strips, fillets. I mean, that's a 30 minute cut, you know, cook time piece of meat. You know, you're wanting to get that Traeger at 500 degrees and make sure it's super hot. And then once it's at 500 degrees, you set that, that fillet down and you just time it five minutes on each side and then meat thermometer it and see where you are. And then, you know, trust your meat thermometer and trust what meat, you know, temperature you like eating your product at. You know, I, I like to undercook my beef because if you overcook it, you can't go back. So uh, with that being said, you know, but low and slow products, you're going to be wanting half chickens, wings, uh, Boston butts. Uh, what's a really good uh, exclusive cut that people don't know about? Yeah, that St. Louis style uh, pork steak is, is a really uh, popular item. Uh, there's a lot of students that come from St. Louis that, um, come to Ole Miss and uh, they always ask where uh, do y'all have pork steaks and a pork steak's a really exclusive cut it's a uh, Boston butt that's sliced to about one inch and it's just basically a good solid pork bone-in pork steak you char it on each side and then uh, once you char it you put it on the top rack and just kind of base it with barbecue sauce and man it's it's a really awesome cut if you haven't had a, a pork steak I, I highly recommend it interesting was that something i you obviously you probably knew about it before is that something you carried before people started coming in for it or is that something you kind of go based on need like do you have that at the store yeah we have this at, we have it at the store you know uh my thing is with the store is like i've literally um picked up products that people have walked in and requested you know like i didn't know what a picanha was uh, but whenever somebody asked me what, a, you know, do we carry a picanha? I looked it up and 
Picanha is that Texas Day Brazil cut yeah. where, you know, they shave it off. So, um, so that's why we carry picanhas. That's, you know, so uh, it's just, you know, ha having exclusive products like that. If you went over to Kroger and asked that guy in the white jumpsuit if he has a picanha, he would probably say Angus. And that's not the answer, you know. Uh, the answer is, yes, we have picanhas, you know. So uh, with that being said, it's just it's cool because uh, I've literally adapted my store to my customers that have walked in and asked for particular things like that pork steak, like that piece of picanha, like that piece of tri-tip, like that ribeye cap. I mean, it's just exclusive products that people want that they can't get, and that's why we get them. Absolutely. I mean, hell, what do you need me to fumble through an ad read for five times a week when you could just sell yourself like that? Uh, just make fun of the guys at Kroger. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's a reason why we've been open for almost 12 years directly across the street from Kroger. And it's just because, you know, they don't care about their customers. Like they, they, they don't want to answer the question why this ribeye is better than this ribeye and why does this ribeye look different from this ribeye and what's a, you know, what's a picanha versus a tri-tip. So, you know, that's just, uh, and we'll continue to be open because there's people that want to ask questions about uh, particular cuts and particular things and that sort of thing. So uh, it's just, you know, I, I'm, I'm just thankful that, um, you know, I get to wake up every morning and, you know, and take care of these people that want to eat good products and take home and instead of going to a restaurant and spending money on, you know, a steak that they don't know if it's going to be good or not. Damn right, dude. I went to a steakhouse in Fort Worth not too long ago and it was about a five out of 10 steak and they slapped me with like a $200 bill between the two of us. And I was like, this is a crime. So yeah. and, if I could have flown back to LB's, we just eat in the, uh, we just eat in white tablecloth in the back. In the back oh, of the for sure. I mean, like I said, I mean, like, um, it, it's, it's something we offer, you know, you can walk into LB's, you can get three jalapeno poppers. You can get, uh, two, three different kinds of stuffed mushrooms that my mom does every morning. You can get a couple of things of asparagus. You can get a, a, a large filet for the, for the lady friend. And then you can get, a ribeye or a strip or whatever the hell you like and you spend under 60 to 50 bucks and you know when you take it home and you cook it right that it's going to be good product so um it's just one of those things and that's why we're open all right here we go does greg recommend slash prefer a full grill for a ribeye or a cast iron pan sear with a finish in the oven well, I've, uh, I've, I grew up on a uh, cast iron skillet, so uh, I can do a lot of things in a cast iron skillet. And uh, one of the things I love to do most is uh, cooking, uh, cook a steak in a cast iron skillet. So I, I, I enjoy the, that cast iron skillet because, you know, uh, you can get that, 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 uh, that cast iron skillet smoking hot and you know how much, how hot it is you know and uh sometimes the grill doesn't get the proper temperature that you want and it doesn't get cooked the way you want so but i promise you with that cast iron skillet it, you know you can get it hot and you can get it right and you can make sure you get that good char that you want on the on the outside of that steak so no doubt we have one more question left before i let you get out of here what is the best meal to cook for a significant other's birthday and how is it best prepared? Uh, my answer to this was delivery. 
I don't think that's the answer he was looking for. I think he's just asking for your expert opinion. We'll stick for, for the sake of grill corner. If you're throwing something on the grill or a smoker or something, what's uh what's kind of your uh your fastball? I'll put it that way. Well, it depends on how much you love the person. Honestly, uh, you know, uh, love goes a long way whenever you're preparing for preparing something for somebody. So. Uh, no, we'll go it, married man. by choice, and you know, have a kid by choice. At that uh, that level. <laughs> well, I would uh, I would probably recommend an eight to nine ounce center cut flaming yawn for the lady, uh, because uh, most women like the fillet and don't want to pick around on a ribeye to eat. Uh, for me, I mean, if a female says that she wants a ribeye, you know, that's already a plus one, if not plus two for me uh, on my cut, on my, uh, on my scale. But that said, uh, just get a real nice filet, make sure that filet is cooked right, do a lot of butter um, for yourself. You know, man, I would probably get some scallops. Uh, I know Lane Kiffin's a big scallop guy, so uh, it's always good to have some scallops because it's, Lane Kiffin likes something, you should like it too, you know. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, no, just, you know, just make, you know, just you, you got to make sure you know what they like first. But I would recommend a filet, maybe a pack of scallops, a couple stuffed mushrooms, uh, maybe a lemon sausage or that harvest apple sausage, or hell, even that summer sausage with some cheese is a good, is a good option. So things, but. You can't go wrong for the ladies for uh, that eight-ounce filet that's cooked perfectly. And uh, then you just need to figure out for yourself what you like. Great answer. That was uh, that was our second edition, I guess, first real edition of Grill Corner. I don't know how the hell that could be topped. I'm not going to lie. I was, like, slightly bummed that we didn't have the questions flooding in like we did last time. But when you oh, yeah. the story, you like, know, man, awesome. you... that just got my energy up. That was That was awesome. A lemonade with one lemon. All we and we got plenty of sugar around these parts. <laughs> Hell uh, yeah, dude! Yeah. That's great. I, I I remember uh, screenshotting the uh, the poll, my buddy, uh, for the horse, for the name of the horse uh, that for my horse that I bought. And uh, man, it's so funny. Uh, uh, man, you know it's 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 all about having fun with the with the horses. Like man, I really wish that I could name my horse Secretaria. And he was the greatest horse of all time. So, like, I don't think I'd ever want to name a horse secretary. So, uh, it was just kind of funny. They, you know, they they came up with meat sweats, uh, which, you know, I don't know if meat sweats is a is a good horse name, but it's funny as hell, uh, especially when the owners a meat market owns a meat market. So, uh, you know, just every every name has to have a story. So, uh, it, it's a uh, it's fun to be a part of something for sure. Yeah, so you were about to lead. You, you, you led me in the direction I was already going to take you. I was about to say before we get out of here, uh, kind of update us on the uh, on the horse industry because you are a man of many tastes, not just the uh, not just the meat industry. And uh, so you mentioned you got the horse. You're trying to figure out what to name it. I would tell you if I was producing some sort of sheet and I saw a horse named Meat Sweats, that's a uh, that's a max play from the start. Be that as it may, what's uh what's going on lately at the track? Well, uh, I'm actually going to Ocala, Florida this uh, Friday to uh, see a couple of uh, two-year-olds that I'm in on, and uh, you know just make sure they're uh, 
running around in the circle properly and uh, actually get to meet a couple of the partners and uh, some of the people that I've uh, been having a conversation with over the phone for the last six to eight months. And uh, they're going to take us out to eat and uh, tell us how great of a horse that we've got and uh, how it's going to be in the Kentucky Derby. But no, it uh, just, you know, it, that's just a part of the gig. You know, it's, uh, it's cool to, uh, you know, be a part of it and uh, get to go to Ocala and get to see it, uh, see it train. And uh, I've literally gotten a picture of this horse whenever it was four, four hours old. So, um, uh, it's just cool to be a part of it. And, uh, I did name the horse and I did not name it meat sweats. So, uh, that, that's another horse that, uh, that the Twitter world is trying to name, but, uh, you know, we're just with the whole deal of, uh, putting a poll out there on naming a, like my, my, I, 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 you'll laugh at the names that I offered. I literally was like, Hey, if I, if I had my choice, can we do, um, uh shower beer um roanoke faulkner's run and uh Sch schnellenberger remember uh the guy that just passed away the yeah. old miami coach legend man it, like it's hard to name a horse much less hard to name a child so uh, i threw those names out there and you know, honestly, I, I think shower beer is a really good uh, horse name but that's just my thoughts Shower beer is a solid one. Is that what you settled on? No. Well, uh, I, I really want joint engineer. Uh, you know, they just, uh, uh, after, after the conversation we've had with each other and, uh, they just, uh, they thought joint, uh, joint engineer or, uh, joint, a joint conversation. Good one. It's so funny. Uh, we triggered like three or four people, uh, on the names and they were saying that um, you know I would want to buy I would want to name a horse more dignified than uh, meat you know than meat sweats well how about a, know, about a social security joint roller <laughs> well I mean you have to be kind of uh, night I mean you can you know I don't think uh, bong water would be a good one you know I think they would probably reject that one uh, you know, just, you know, man, you just kind of got to have fun with it because, you know, man, it, it, it is fun. You know, you get the, uh, you, I mean, like, do, do I think I'll ever get to go see Starship Charlie run in Pennsylvania? Yes, because I own that horse. And, uh, if it does good and it's running in the Pennsylvania Derby, I promise you, uh, LBs might be closed and, you know, due to, uh, you know, Greg's, uh, Starship Charlie running in the Derby. So. Uh, it's just cool to be a part of something and just, you know, it doesn't have to be horse racing. It doesn't have to be anything particular, but just, you know, be a part of something and enjoy what's, what you're a part of. It can be anything. It could be Ole Miss baseball. It could be Ole Miss football. It could be, you know, uh, Liverpool on the soccer. It can be anything, but just, you know, enjoy it and be, and, and be thankful that you're a part of it. Absolutely. Well said. I'll tell you what else was fun was this because I just called you up on a random Tuesday night. We got a couple of questions. And ended up talking meats and horses for two hours, for an hour and a half. That was uh, that was yeah. awesome stuff, dude. I appreciate it. Well, I don't know what the hell else you need me to say. I could do the ad read, but I, I don't really know what other ringing endorsement you need. If you listen to this and still go to well, just... your meat needs, then you should just kick <laughs> yourself in the nuts. So check him out 
LV <laughs> University Avenue across from Kroger. This was great, dude. We're doing this again soon. We'll turn this into a regular segment. I uh, I appreciate it as always. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, and I know Caleb and my mom and your mom appreciate this solid hour and a half conversation we had about meat and horses, you know? They do. Just if my uh, mom's we, listening, just, sorry for uh, the reference. And, you know, we're just going to keep doing what we do, you know? Absolutely, dude. Check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Froger. He's already hooking you up if you're subscribing to the Rippy Rights newsletter. You're getting a 16-ounce prime strip for 10 bucks. I don't really know where you can beat that. So check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Corner, across, <laughs> across from Kroger. Uh, until next time, dude, we're doing a grill corner soon. I appreciate it. Yeah, as always. And y'all enjoy y'all's weekend. And y'all uh, enjoy this weather. So it's, uh, it's a good time to get out and uh, fire up the grill and uh, get some good meats on the grill and enjoy your favorite beverage and uh, some sports on TV. That'll do it for us today. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the Grill Corner with Greg. Remind you one more time, go see MLB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go check out Skybox Sports Picks. Get in before that RBC RBC Heritage action uh, gets going at Harbortown this week. They've got golf, baseball, NASCAR, all kinds of stuff. Use my promo code RIPPY and go make a profit at skyboxsportspicks.com. We'll be back at it with Mailback Friday. My old cohort, Brian Haydad, will be with us as well. In some capacity, uh, I'm doing an interview with him later today. So uh, check it out. Go subscribe to the Rippy Rights newsletter. So make sure you get all the LB's deals. All you have to do is go to rippyrights.substack.com. Type in your email and you'll get newsletters from me and free meets. How could you beat that? Everybody have a safe and happy Wednesday and we'll be back at it on Friday.